All right, and welcome to episode number 10 of the Loser Hour. And this week I have with me my good friend Trout. How you feeling tonight? What's up, local loser? What's going on? You know, just another night in Loser Lodi. Love it. Hell yeah. So tonight we are going to do a top 10 list. And it's going to be a top 10 of our all-time favorite films. And Trout, I thought, would be perfect for this. So I was glad you accepted the offer. Hey, glad to be here. Thank you for it. All right. So a little bit of business to get out of the way. Um, Got to go and follow the show. Got to go over to Spotify, follow the show. Got to go to Facebook, follow the show. Twitter, follow the show. It's at Loser Hour. So follow the show. Share the show. Do that kind of stuff. Help a brother out. Yeah, do that kind of stuff. It just it just helps, you know? So every week, growing. So get more people, share the shit. So we're going to jump right into it. This is like our, our, you know, top 10 favorite films. You know, we're both film lovers. So we both have like, I don't know, I'd say deep, deep catalog of films we've seen more than most people more than most of our friends i'd say i like to watch a lot of films i've never seen yeah try to do that as much as i can older older stuff and stuff like you know wide range yeah and you and like most people like most of our friends at least don't know directors and stuff like that and it's like like you know you know that kind of shit you're you know you're going to school for it right now so i try to i try to study you're learning try to study a little you're learning so we both want to make a movie, so that's one common thing we got. And maybe one day, you know. Yes, sir. All right, so I'm going to start mine off. I'm cheated a little bit. I got two at number 10. I got a tie. So I got Mad Max Fury Road from um, 2015. Directed, Pretty recent one, yeah. Yeah, yeah directed by George Miller. Uh, Tom Hardy's in this one and Charlize Theron's in this one. And yeah, dude, this movie, like, okay. So this was the one that I, I kind of, you know, before before we were talking, I was telling you there was, you know, one that I was I was kind of grappling with. Should I have this on the list or should I have, should I leave it off, you know? Because all my movies, you'll kind of catch a trend. Like, this is the most recent. This is the only one I have that is from before 2010 or after 2010. So this is the most recent one I got. So... To me, I don't know, it Mad Max was just like, damn, dude. <laughs> I watched this whole movie and was fucking just like blown away by the entire thing. Completely had no idea. Like I, when I when I saw the preview, I was like, what the fuck? Like and then I had no idea what to expect. Watching the whole thing, it's like blown away. Like, did they make all these vehicles or is this CGI? Like part of it's got you know, part of it's CGI, but how much of this is fucking real and then when I got the DVD, I watched all the extras. Jesus Christ, all the shit that went into making this movie. Yeah, I, it was hard to throw it off. That's why I kind of cheated a little bit. So I yeah. put it on there. It It's so fucking good. And, and it's like they, all the shit they do, like the story is just like a simple story. It's all about the chase. And it's just like the chase is so fucking spectacular. Yeah. I was just First viewing, not like knowing everything that went behind all that. That was kind of like a, 
it was like an Oscar darling. It was kind of unexpected yeah, to me, yeah. at least. And then hearing everything, all the stunts and everything going into it, and yeah. all the practicals, it's pretty it, wild. It won every, every pretty much like all the sound. Swept, it, yeah. It won all that, and then it didn't win Best Picture. Uh, and and I, I believe uh, Spotlight won that year. And, um, yeah, I was pretty pissed because, yeah, Spotlight, good movie, depressing, but Mad Max, man, that movie's fucking epic. It's just, there's points where it's, it 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 kind of gets overwhelming when you think about it. But uh, on to my next one, kind of one of my obvious ones. Most of mine are pretty obvious. But um, so my my true number ten, The Shining, from nineteen eighty, Stanley Kubrick. I had a feeling that'd be on the list. Yeah, uh, Jack Nicholson's in this one, and uh, Shelley Duvall. Little scat man Carruthers is in this one, but yeah, I I love The Shining. It's just, it's too good. It's it, it's a horror movie, you know. But Stanley Kubrick is fucking awesome, and I just, I love this movie. I can't really. There's not much really that to say about it, you know, other than fucking. It's a Stanley Kubrick horror movie, you know. Everybody's seen The Shining, the twins, the kid, everybody, the red rum, everybody's seen The Shining. And what do you think? Have you seen the the trailer for the... I did. Shining sequel, supposedly? Yeah, I, I did. It, it looks interesting. I'm not really sure they were, like, cutting... In, they were cutting clips of the original in and out. I don't know how I feel about that. That's what I was saying. But, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about any of that, but they'd have to get approval from, from Kubrick's estate, and if they got that, then possibly, I don't know, you know... But yeah, I The Shining's awesome. Fucking love it. So your number ten, Drought. My number ten, alright. I had to I had to get out of the way. Number ten. Fight club. Everyone, you know, every uh indie or uh wannabe film school ignorant film buffs uh favorite movie. Still one of my favorite movies. Had to do it right there. Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, everyone knows it. I mean, yeah. classic twist it's, ending. It's great. I'm not going to spoil a movie from 1999, but uh, <laughs> we all know it. Yeah, spoiler alert, but you know, everybody knows it. But yeah. just classic, David Fincher. I mean, mm-hmm. you want to talk about a dynamic movie? Just keeps you keeps you involved the whole way. Just the pacing just yeah. comes at you, doesn't let you go. And yep. quotable monologues. Yep. The writing in the movie, top notch. Yeah, this was another one I was like struggling to put on. This is so struggling hard. to make the like, list. Yeah, yep. so hard to. And I'm not saying these are you know the greatest movies ever put on film. I'm just yeah, these are your personal personal yeah, favorite personal films. All time, yeah. Had to put it on there. Yep. Yep. Cool. Yeah, that that Fight Club's a it's a good choice. Definitely a good choice. Um, my number nine, I'm sure it's on your list, uh, Big Lebowski from uh, 1998, you know, Coen Brothers. It's uh, Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, you know, Steve Buscemi. Who doesn't love the Coen Brothers? Yeah. Coen Brothers, awesome. Love the Coen Brothers. Love this movie. This is the only comedy I have. It's, it is it is a comedy. It's hilarious. It's really, I, I say this to everybody about the Big Lebowski, it's, it's a movie about nothing. Like it really is just a movie about nothing. Agree completely. Like, like they, they, 
there is a plot and everything, you know, there's a purpose, but it's really just nothing. He wants his rug back. Like, it's nothing. He gets in all this shit for nothing. He could literally just stop and just go buy a new rug. But he literally, he, he writes a, what, what is he, he writes a check for like 37 cents or some shit in the beginning. Oh, yeah, buying a carton of milk. Yeah. So it's like, you get, right off the bat, you get an idea of this motherfucker. But yeah, there's... This was, it's just hilarious. The stories and the details. Yeah. The, the, this movie, I remember the first time I saw it, I hated it. I was like, I don't get this movie at all. But I was like fucking 14. And then I watched it again a couple years later. And I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? This movie's so funny. Like, they're so dumb. The stupid shit that fucking Walter always says. They're sitting in that fucking diner and they're talking about, like, they're talking about the toe and all that shit, and he's all just like, he's "I can get all, you a toe." Yeah, he, he's yeah, I can get you a toe. I can get you a toe. And then he just with fucking, nail polish. Yeah, with polish on it. And then he just starts talking about Vietnam again. And it's fucking hilarious. It's always every scene, he starts bursting in Vietnam. Am I wrong? <laughs> Am I wrong, dude? <laughs> I'm gonna finish my coffee. Finish my coffee. It's so good, dude. Just, there's so many quotable lines. I fucking. Every That's time. just perfect comedic writing right there. It, yeah, it really is. And the Coen brothers, they're all most of their movies have a lot of comedy. Oh, in it's them. down. That movie's down to the script too. Every dude, every fuck, every Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's just I love every time I he- I hear the Beatles, I just think of, of the Big Lebowski. There's so many things that every time I, I hear Credence, I think of the Big Lebowski. There's so much. Uh, yeah, this it should be a little higher, but number nine is where it's at. So, you're number nine. Number nine, another Cohen flick. That should probably be higher on my list. No Country for Old Men, Best Picture winner. Yep. Uh, 2000, well, 2008 Oscars, 2007. Yeah. Um, masterpiece, really. Yep. I mean, just because my favorites list. I mean, if, if it was one of my, I think one of the, highest achievements in cinema no country for old men's up there in my opinion yeah definitely just everything about it just dynamic lighting yeah shot the shots all of suspense it. just masterful there's, there's no sound there's no music in that movie like there's a sound design natural sound but there's no music that plays at all. There's no score or nothing. And it's just ruthless. Yeah. Relentless. Yeah. Javier Bardem. Tense. Unforgettable performance. Yeah. yeah. They they all give like Josh Brolin is great. Woody Harrelson's great. Yeah. Um fucking Tommy Lee Jones is great. Yeah. I No Country for Old Men is awesome. And it's a it's a complex movie, you know. It's uh it's a movie that my mom hated the ending of it. But yeah. uh, another movie I didn't really get the first time I saw it, but I was also like fourteen. But yeah, I over time, yeah, I the ending of that movie is really good. It's, it's a lot it's, to mull over. It's, yeah, it is, and that's a, a movie you can get more in. out of it with more viewings. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's just like it. It's so brutal. I um. Oh yeah, there's, man. Yeah, there's yeah, the action in the movie. Yeah, there's parts gritty. Of, there's parts of this movie that are like. They're like, yeah, for a Coen Brothers movie, you're like, this is where they stepped their game up a little bit. That's real. This is where they were like, this is one that they wanted to do, and and their movies are always really good, but they're riddled with comedy. This movie doesn't have much comedy in it. This is just a lot of... One of the of, few movies they did, they didn't write themselves, too. Yeah. I mean, they wrote the screenplay, yeah, but... this is the, based off a novel. Yeah, McCarthy, yeah. I believe. But yeah, um, yeah, this is... I, I remember seeing the movie... And then, like, 
honest, this is when I was a little bit older, probably around 18 or 19, and then I never want to read a book, and then I went and bought the book to read the book. So I was like, I got to fucking read this book because this movie's awesome. Yeah, I did the same thing, actually, a few years back. Yeah, uh, definitely. No, Country for Old Men's. It's a good one. Um, Probably not doing it justice at nine. But yeah, it may or may not be on my list. I'm not <laughs> sure. Number eight for me is um, one that may you know surprise you, but doesn't really surprise me <laughs> or many other people. Um, and I got a clip for this bad boy. But this one is um, The Dark Knight from uh, 2008. And this one's uh, the second one in the, the Nolan series. I love all of them, but this one, this one's great. Like, and I find myself coming back to certain parts of this movie all the time. To me, it doesn't really have, like, there's parts of it that kind of drag, but it's just a long movie. There's a lot of stuff that are just stunt wise that that really impressed me, from and, and it's just like, it's a Nolan Batman movie. Like, hey, can I interrupt you real quick? Hopefully this um, isn't too much of a recurrence here, but I got Dark Knight right here, my number eight spot too. There you go. Not gonna lie. Well, you can jump. Turn right this in. into a double yeah, segment here. You can here. jump jump right in on it. I mean, you've got look. I mean, the cast on this: Christian Bale, Heath Ledger. You got Morgan Freeman. Michael Caine, Aaron Eckhart, Maggie Gyllenhaal, like so many people, it's all like just the, killing it too. All, Gary Oldman, top of their game. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, and the stunts in this movie, the the lighting, everything, the make the making of like the from the first one, the city was real nasty and gritty, and it was like showing how the city's supposed to look because Batman's not from there, the streets. You know? Yeah, you know? yeah. And he cleans it up, and then boom, the city's like nice and all this shit. They're like, damn, what a turnaround! But the opening scene of this movie, from like the beginning of you, you get this, you, you get the Hans Zimmer score. Oh man, that just intense, intense score that he has throughout the movie. And following. start to finish, well, it's like clockwork, like the yeah. score, you know. Yeah, it, everything's just on pace, on time, yep. flashing, yeah. but even between separate storylines and yeah. like complex nature, but keeps it so precise. Yeah, he definitely like, and I remember watching the the special features in this one. He he had an idea for like the the sound he wanted to get for the Joker and he wanted to f- have the Joker sound follow throughout the movie. And every time you, s- you see the Joker, it's a- depending on his mood or, or how intense he is, it gets higher and louder. And, and you get that in the beginning of the movie right away, you know, and it's just, and it's hard to dominate the screen like Heath Ledger. Oh, he's yeah. the Joker. Oh yeah. Something else. So yeah, I I have a clip for this one. I got the uh, so I got the interrogation scene, classic w- with uh, with Joker and Batman. He's and and you know and 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 Commissioner Gordon here. So I'm gonna mic this bad boy up and play that clip. Harvey Dent never made it home. Of course not. What have you done with him? Me. I was right here. Who did you leave him with? Hmm? Your people? Assuming, of course, that they are still your people and not Maroni's. Does it depress you, Commissioner, to know just how alone you really are? 
doesn't make you feel responsible for Harvey Dent's current predicament. Where is he? What's the time? What difference does that make? Well, depending on the time, he may be in one spot or several. Good cop, bad cop routine? Not exactly. Oh. Oh. Never start with the head. The victim gets all fuzzy. He can't feel the next See? You wanted me. Here I am. I wanted to see what you'd do. And you didn't disappoint. You let five people die. Then you let Dent take your place. Even to a guy like me, that's cold. Where's Dent? Those mob fools want you gone so they can get back to the way things were. But I know the truth. There's no going back. You've changed things. Forever. Then why do you want to kill me? <laughs> Kill you? What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, 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 you, you complete me. You're garbage, you kills for money. Don't talk like one of them, you're not. Even if you'd like to be. To them, you're just a freak. Like me. They need you right now. When they don't, They'll cast you out. Like a leper. You see, their morals, their code. It's a bad joke. We've dropped at the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. I'll show you. When the chips are down, these, uh, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. See, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. Where's Dent? You have all these rules, and you think they'll save you. What's in control? I have one rule. Oh, then that's the rule you'll have to break to know the truth. Which is? The only sensible way to live in this world is without rules. And tonight, you're gonna break your one rule. I'm considering it. No, there's only minutes left. You're gonna have to play my little game if you want to save one of them. You know, for a while there, I thought you really were a dent. The way you threw yourself after her. Look at you go! Does Harvey know about you and his little bunny? Where are they? Killing is making a choice. Where are they? I choose between one life or the other. Your friend, the district attorney. Or his blushing right to be. Hold on. <laughs> you have nothing. Nothing to threaten me with. Nothing to do with all of your strength. Don't worry. I'm going to tell you where they are. Both of them. And that's the point. You'll have to choose. 
He's at 252nd Street, and she's uh, on Avenue X at Cicero. I mean, what can you say? What else? It's just performance and a half. You sure that's Heath Ledger? Yeah. You, you sure? You get everything right there. You get performance. You get lighting. Like the shot, like the opening of the shot is dark behind him, but the light even like at the door, all of it, just then how the light comes on, that, that just the great monologue that you get explaining between, you know, just Joker saying to him, you know, I don't want to kill you. What would I do without? Oh you, man, there's man. so many it's, great bits. Like that is so, and, and it's just like the the way he's. I love the way how he says, just like, the, you know, that they'll cast you out like a leper, and he sits back. He has this little swagger to him, to where he's just like he knows. He's just it's happened to me, so it'll happen to you. It's like everything about the Nolan Batman movies to me, they're all grounded in reality, and it's like this this type of dude is just like you know it's. It's hokey type of shit at the end of the day, but this this character could be a real type of fucking psycho, and it's like, you know, I I love this movie so much. I, there's so many that it was hard to pick a, a clip to to go to. It was yeah, either, I believe that it was either going to be that one or or the, the uh, initial meeting between Joker and all the uh, the goons, you know, so right? To say, yeah, with the the magic trick the talking head on the tv yeah the talking head on the tv but yeah that's always that's a clip for me that i always go back to so for sure it's like dark knight man that was both her number eight so all right on to my number seven um my number seven is a movie that when i was like 15 16 i, I was saying oh this is my favorite movie ever i hadn't seen a lot of good movies um, I love this movie to this day, so that's I, it was, this is one I couldn't keep off. The Departed, Martin Scorsese from two thousand and seven, I believe, uh, two thousand six. This is the one that won him his Oscar, and yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about that this movie won him his Oscar because you know it's all the the other classics: Casino, Scorsese, Good, yeah, Goodfellas, Raging Bull. It's just so many classics. And this one, Taxi Driver, and this one got him. So, yeah, Scorsese is um, he's he's my favorite director. Um, him one and of Chris, mine, too. Him and Chris Nolan are my favorite directors. You know, I, I'll watch anything they do, pretty much love anything they do. Even the last Scorsese movie, you know, it, uh, what, what was it called? The, uh, the one the, about the priests. Oh, Silence. Silence, yeah. That one... I, I underrated flick I, right there. I don't, a lot of people didn't yeah, see. I feel don't like. don't necessarily like the movie, but I didn't hate it, and it was powerful message. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it was something that was like a passion project for Scorsese, and, for sure. And it was really well shot, and everything was done really well. It's just not my type of movie, but yeah, he he's he's at the top of his game, and and he's got a new flick coming out. Yeah, he does. Um, Netflix. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked for it, man. Yeah. Really, at the end of the day, I'm stoked for it. It's got De Niro and it's got Joe Pesci. July, it. right? Yeah, it, it coming I'm st- up. I'm stoked. It's it's about uh, it's about the guy who killed the. Um, oh yeah, the gang's all back uh, together. The guy who killed Jimmy Hoffa. So yeah, hopefully this doesn't turn into something hokey. But Scorsese, he takes his time with stuff. So he does I, it right. I think he's been working on this for a while, and you know, Netflix has it probably him. offered him quite a bit of money to put this in Netflix, and he'll probably get it in theater still because he's Scorsese. Oh no, he will. But um, yeah, The Departed, 
this one is um, it's actually based off a Japanese movie, and it was written by um, what's the guy's name? Uh, uh, William Monahan, and um, he uh, yeah he based what was the, it uh, Infernal Affairs. Is that the name of the? I'm not sure what it's called, but he based it off of some Japanese movie. That's Translation. A, it's a long, a long, a, a lot along the same lines Foreign of, film. of this of this type of movie. But um, yeah, this it's you know, um, DiCaprio and Matt Damon and Jack Nicholson. You got Alec Baldwin in there. Oh. Um, Mark Wahlberg. Marky in there. Mark. Yeah. Top notch uh, performance. Oh yeah, uh, Anthony uh, Anderson. He's Martin shows Sheen. Up. Yeah, Martin Sheen's in there. Um, I love this movie. It's it's a I love fucking, that movie too. it's such a crazy twist. Uh it's hard to follow at times, but you have to pay attention, you know. And it's like if you know what's going on, then it's not hard to follow. I remember this is one movie that me and my dad were watching with my mom the first time we were watching it. Like I said I was like fifteen, sixteen, somewhere around there. And yeah, I, I was watching it and my mom had no idea what the hell was going on. But she wasn't really paying attention. And I, I knew ex- exactly what was going on. I was just like, so this fucking guy, it, it's the roles are reversed. It's like the guy who's undercover working with this motherfucker, he's the rat, but the actual rat is the fucking guy who's in the police force that actually made it to the police force. That's a fucking, that's Matt Damon's character. So yeah. it's like, you know, they're you, both trying to you catch just, each other. Yeah, they're both trying to catch each other. So it's, it's great. There's so much stuff going on in this movie too. There's this, this great scene towards the like there's this great shot in the beginning like towards the middle of the movie i'd say where he gets his apartment and it pans up and you see the the like overlook of the city and you see that gold building top oh of the pretty building. early yeah yeah, yeah and, and and he's like okay and he's sold on on you know the place he's living and then it comes back to that at the end and it pans up and a fucking and rat, rat runs scampers yeah. across the rail. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like God, man. That shit's so good. It's just there's so much in this movie that that I love. That I, I got a clip for this one. I have I had a total of five clips for mine. So, so this is one of my clips. What do we got? I got uh, I got the, the this scene is where um, this is towards the end of uh, the movie where where you know um, Jack's character is starting to break down a little bit uh. and he's. He definitely suspects there's a rat. The mob boss he and his prodigy Leo. He, yes, he, who really is the rat. Yeah, who really is the rat, but he doesn't want to believe he's the rat. He, you know, he likes this kid a lot. Oh yeah, and he's uh, he res- of the he's of uh, one of his guys. Yeah, yeah he res- family of he, one of yeah, his guys. He respects him, and he know he knew his dad and all that stuff. So been an undercover cop the whole time. Yeah, right? he's just he's getting all this stuff, and he's hard in. You know, like the timeline's hard not in. real real close. Like. Sure, but he's hard in. I'm guessing at least like I think at the end he's they racked said, up some felonies. But I think he's about a year in with these guys, a year, year and a half in with these guys, and because I think they said at the end it was like 19 months or something. So he did like a good year. I think he was about a year. This was this was right before he they you know everything goes down at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of calling him out here, but he's trying to gauge like where he's at and understand like I think I've I heard actually. Leo said this was like one of the most memorable this, acting moments. This this is such a great scene on in both on both their parts. They're both like you know. There's I love this. And I, I heard improvised Jack Nicholson pulled out a real gun. It, I, it could be possible. Jack's fucking crazy. I would not I would not suspect any other. But I'm gonna mic this bitch up and we're gonna get it. You accuse me.
my life, and I will put a fucking bullet in your head as if you were anybody else, okay? security numbers everybody's fucking numbers is it is this something that you just want to go ahead and ask me because i'll give you the fucking answer all right frank look at me look at me i'm not the fucking rat okay i'm not the fucking rat start with you agree there is a rat you said there is one all right i base most of what i do on the idea that you're pretty fucking good at what you do you, William, what would you do? Frank, how many of these guys have been with you long enough to be disgruntled, huh? Think about it. You don't pay much, you know. It's almost a fucking feudal enterprise. The question is, and this is the only question, who thinks that they can do what you do? I'm out of here. You'll have to set the alarm. Yeah, all right. I'll see you Christmas. So, I mean, yeah, I, it's one of my favorite scenes of the movie. It's so good. A couple top-notch actors. Just, yeah, just acting. Like, at this point... Some of the best of their work right there. At this point, Jack had had a couple sneakers, <laughs> and he hadn't really had a director to kind of grab a hold of of his genius from he was getting know, bored. back in the day. Yeah, he was getting bored. Definitely. And, man, this movie just... 
He said, I think I'd like to play a bad guy again. Yeah, and this is, you know, it's loosely based on Whitey Bulger and the uh, Winter Hill gang. And Jack's supposed to be Whitey Bulger. and Which ended up getting made as Black Mask. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they ended up making it as Black Mask, yeah. Which I, I, I actually liked the movie. It's It's one of those movies that the director, he makes movies that have no joy at all. They have no joy. They have no humor. They have nothing to make you, you know. They're good movies. They're well-crafted. They have great performances. But they're just movies that are fucking gut punches. They're hard to they're hard to get through. And Black Mass is definitely, he's a perfect director for that because the movies he made before were similar in style and tone. And then he makes a true story that's an actual fucking gut punch. Yeah, and a gritty did, story about a dude with yeah. no redeeming qualities. Yeah, so I mean, about. you know. This movie is based on that. Jack's supposed to be Whitey and all the they're a lot of the gangsters, you and he's know. He's an evil character in the departed. Yeah, and a lot of it's like, you know, like I said, it's based off of this Japanese movie, but it's also the characters are similarly based to Whitey Bulger. So it's they took the story of of the the cops within each other, you know, that type of stuff, but it's also there was, you know, an FBI agent with the Whitey Bulger. And don't worry, it's got that Boston dialect. Oh yeah. They got the perfect guys, you know, you got Matt Damon, you got he he's from there. You got Marky Mark. Marky Mark. God, some of the quotes that Marky Mark has in this fucking timeless. Movie. He he says in the beginning, um, he's my theory about feds are they're like mushrooms. Feed them shit and keep them in the dark. Oh God, yeah, that's a great, that's a great line. He's he says what does he say in the beginning when he's when they're interviewing Leo? He says something to him about Southie. That's fucking like he goes uh. Something about having to, you know, to, to, I bet you, you change your voice from, yeah. you know, every time you go down there. And he's you like, did. don't you, you little sneaky fucking, little yeah, fuck. you sneaky little fucking cocksucker. Like, it's so good. And he also, yeah, he, he just, ha- he has a bunch of fucking lines. And Baldwin has a bunch of great lines. The interaction him and Baldwin have, he, he says fucking. Oh, uh, you want ba- a cigarette? What? You like that one? Or yeah. You want a cigarette? What, are you some type of health nut? Oh, uh, fuck you. Fucking. Uh, he's all he, cooked out. Yeah, he the says. Uh, steak out. He says fucking, uh, Baldwin says, um. Fucking like something like how's your mother and he's like she uh, his response is fucking uh, she's busy from fucking my father or something it's like oh my god dude it's just like the perfect fucking you know this is it's Scorsese he's he's always f- very vulgar and all that oh thing. yeah but this is yeah he this set is, the record with uh, Wolf of Wall Street yeah he did and that was one of the the Scorsese movies I enjoyed but I it was so fucking long man it yeah well that helps condense it a little bit you can fit a lot of fucks in three hours yeah, fucking and I feel like that movie didn't need to be three hours i could have went with another like half hour of of goodfellas you know like that could have cut three hours and you know this movie could have you could have cut about 45 of, of wolf of wall street but yeah departed is great it has it has one of those movie endings too where i you know don't worry i won't spoil it even though it's ten, <laughs> you know damn near 10 it is go 10, home and watch 10 it years old so yeah it it has one of those fucking endings where you're like, God damn it! The first time you see that, yeah, holy still, shit! It, even every time I see it, it's like fuck, man, because you, yeah, it's just God fuck, and then you continue to say fuck, and then <laughs> right the the closing scene, you're like, yes, thank God. So it's it's just like it, you finally you get that that moment at the end. And there's a funny bit they say um, all of like the character deaths are uh, foreshadowed by exes. In, oh, the, in the backgrounds and in the wow, I'll have to go back and look I'll for have those. To point that out, yeah. This is another thing about this movie: the opening. I love the opening in this movie because it it opens with like it's a long opening credit a, it's sequence. A, it's a long opening, and it opens with like you know Jack talking about 
you know, his whole, you know, this whole, you know, he says, what, what is he? Uh, well, you know, I don't want to be profane. a profane. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want right. my environment to be a product of me. And then he goes into this whole spiel about, you know, in the 60s, blah, blah, blah. And he's talking about they tried to come in and take this neighborhood. No, the Irish wouldn't let. And I, I took, a, you know, he's, he's just going over all this thing. And you get this, the kid story in the beginning and this yeah, kind of speaking stuff. Speaking of these kids. Yeah, it follows, follows him till he's, you know, graduating his... You both stories following them along. When we were and, kids, you're either cops or you're criminals. Yeah, yeah, and and you just get this this great open, and then boom, when those when the music hits finally, and the credits and everything, when when he's going to jail, like once you get oh. this whole, you get this whole kind of like it's like a they hit you with the dropkick Murphys. Yeah, it's kind of like an epilogue type of thing that they did with that prologue, yeah, yeah prologue or whatever. It was really weird, like when open. they finally show. The opening, the departed. Yeah, it's and, probably yeah, and it's the music's hitting in the fifteen I, minutes in the movie. I love how the music's going real loud, and then he knocks on the door, and from the second the door Dead. opens, it cuts like perfectly. It's like it's just the soundtrack in that movie kills. Though. Yeah, it's great. It, everything about this movie. This is it. I'm glad that that Scorsese got his Oscar. It's just crazy to me that this was the one, but it's still. It's like when when you think about it, it's a great fucking movie. About fucking. I bad. don't think it's his best, but it's a great fucking movie, and it, and it. Yeah, he should have won an Oscar for this one. So, your number seven, good sir. Number seven, kind of kind of offbeat here. Shaun of the Dead, two thousand four. Oh, I did not expect that. Edgar Wright. Oh, that's that's a that's a good pick. That's one of my guys right there. Yeah. Went on do Hot Fuzz. Yeah, Edgar Wright. Drivers, yeah, man. Edgar Wright's a good director. I I like his style. I like his style big time. And Shaun of the Dead. That's one of the things. On this list of my favorites, something I've noticed is movies I like kind of have this blend of like humor but heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Shaun of the Dead, that's where the real payoff is, is the relationships between the characters yeah. of Sean and his mom and his yes. girlfriend and his best friend. Yeah. And see that that's total opposite from from where I'm at with mine. Most of mine are dark as like, you know, like I said, I only have one comedy. Most of, oh, mine are, there too, you most of mine are really dark, but they have some. Pretty dark they so have far. some. They have some levity to it. Shaun the Dead, I wouldn't Shaun say is a cheery Sh- movie. No, either. no, it isn't. It definitely isn't. It's. I love how it's, it's hilarious. A, it's a parody, I but, think. But it's like it's it's like it's such a. It's the best type of parody. It just can, feels so smart. Yeah, it is. It's a smart. Yeah, and just sharp. It, it is. It is. It is. And it's like to me, I I I remember a couple. of Fuck, it was like probably about a month ago. I was watching the the uh, 2004 Dawn of the Dead or whatever it was. I think it was 2004. The um, it was uh, Zack Snyder and fucking you know who wrote that movie? Hmm. Fucking uh, Gun, the uh, guy who uh, directed fucking the uh, Guardians movies. Oh, James Gunn. James Gunn. He wrote that. He wrote that movie. And hmm. when you're listening to the dialogue, you're like. Oh, of course. Of course. This makes so much sense. Oh, and yeah, he was fucking friends with Zack Snyder. Of oh, course. Yep. So, and then you're watching this. I'm like, fuck, I wish this was Shaun of the Dead because it's not as clever and fun. And like, you know, Shaun of the Dead, it's to me, it's like a, you know, when they made Zombieland, I was like, they're wanting to be Shaun of the Dead. Here. Yeah. You know, and I Even love Zombieland, but, but it's Shaun of the sequel, Dead is like, yeah, they are doing a sequel. I, After all this time. Yeah. You know, it should be good. You know, I really liked it. I'll Zombieland. watch it. Hey, if they get that cast back together, of course, yeah, I'll watch it. Those dudes all became stars since then. Yeah, that that's a good pick. I didn't expect that. Shaun of the Dead. Didn't expect it. That's good. It's It's got that just, uh, 
it's another one that just uses a good uh, soundtrack to its advantage. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. It fits music into its movie, kind of like all his movies, really. And it just has that real just that's, whip cracking. That's his style. Fast cuts. The music yeah. for sure. The only movie of his that I really didn't enjoy was the um, the World Cup type one, the beer drinking one. You know? Oh no, the World's End. Wor- yeah, World's I remember End. watching that over here with you. Actually. Yeah, I didn't really enjoy that one. I didn't. I, I don't know what it was. I didn't really like that one. Sorry, I thought it had a. It was. I didn't think as sharp as his other. Yeah, work, and I don't know why. I don't know what it was, but yeah, I may have to go back and watch that one. I but, thought it was fun. I like the characters. Yeah, that was the, the character. One that was kind of like protagonist. But yeah, Baby Driver character. Dude, was like, dude, Baby Driver. More people should see that. That was one of my favorite movies from that year. For yeah, sure. I was I was telling everybody that year, you fucking you're gonna go see Fast and Furious. No, go see <laughs> Baby Driver because it's what Fast and Furious should be, and what these movies like they wish they were. That's another thing I'm sucker I'm a sucker for is a movie with a good soundtrack. Yeah, Baby Driver is all yeah, about the music. Definitely. Have you? Uh, it's kind of go off course, but have you seen the new John Wick? I'm not. Oh man. Okay. Because those those movies are like you know I don't know how you feel about those. But those are the movies that, like, to me, are like, um, they're what every like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and don't get me wrong, I what love they the Rock should be, right? What every, <laughs> what every Rock movie, that's like an action movie, they're what those should be yeah. exactly. Those movies are like they're top notch action movies, and they've kind of turned into like Die Hard in a way, but they're like Die Hard even turned like they're the first two are great. It's, but Almost like a trope movie or like a it is like a it is but dude this I won't mo- say a satire it, because it's just playing for yeah the tropes. It, there's a lot of tr- there's a lot of tropes but then they keep stepping it up and it's like dude, yeah. the third one like I was I I talked about it on a couple episodes back Getting I was like away. this may be the fucking best like shoot 'em up action movie I've ever seen because there's some shit they did in this with dogs and horses they and, just keep trying to one up and yeah one up and, and one on up. motorcycles and shit and it's crazy with what those actors and, are putting themselves yeah, through and, and he does a lot of his own stunts Keanu so it's it to me it's Halle like, Berry oh I guess she like broke a couple of ribs or something on set John Wick three yeah, yeah she looked good in this fucking worked movie. with those dogs I guess oh yeah she babies. she wanted to do all the stunts like he does Wild. and she wanted to get in it like he does because yeah. he does a lot of the stunts and she he goes was, to tactical training and I saw her on Hot Ones she yeah. said it was hell yeah it fucking looked like it man that shit was fucking that movie was brutal but back back on course I don't know uh, That for some reason that baby driver th- made me think of like because it's what Fast and Furious should be man think an action movie yeah yeah that's what those movies should be but yeah Shaun of the Dead dude that's I mean that, it's been a while since I've seen it honestly but I love it. Every time, every time Always it comes on, every, yeah. Every time it, it comes on TV, that's a good. Check it out on Stars. If you have a Star subscription, <laughs> you all do. I know you all do. <laughs> stars. <laughs> <laughs> it's on there. Guarantee it's always on Stars. It's, it's always on Stars. All right. So number six. Let's see. I. Uh, for number six, I have um, <coughs> "There Will Be Blood," and um, this one. PTA. Yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. This movie is uh, like, it's, it's, it's fucked up in so many ways, but it's so good. And it has so much, like, there's so many funny moments in this movie. And yeah, there's just like, uh, I had a clip, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually not going to play it because now that I'm thinking about it, it's the ending. So I'm not going to play it, but spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But yeah, there will be blood, uh, from 2008, um, Daniel Day Lewis, 
That is the best scene in the movie, though, the last scene. Oh, my God, dude. There's so many great scenes, though. That, dude, some of the dialogue, like, I just, like, this, This honestly, it wouldn't be this high up on my list if I hadn't just watched it again a couple days ago. Probably about a week ago, it was on TV, and I just watched it. I was like, I can't, you know, and it, and it came it on, again, like, right, it came on, like, right at the perfect time to where, okay, I can watch all this, and I, then I can go right to bed. But, dude, there's some lines where he's just... He, you know, it's so fucked up. He adopts the kid so he can look more personable, so that he can buy more land and manipulate more people into getting land to drill oil and all this yeah. shit. And then when, when the fucking burden of you know the kid losing his hearing, when that burden comes on him, he stops giving a shit because it's like I have to fucking care for this kid now. Like before, he could just do what I wanted him to do and he'll take over for me and whatever. Now I have to fucking care for him like. You know, and then finally, like it just there's a there's a point where at the end where he's just all groveling and he's such a pissed off old man. And the that's whole, a protagonist, yeah. yeah that, that, you you want to root for him to like change or to like yeah. find something yeah. worth like being human for, yeah. but and you get this whole this despicable character through yeah, and through. Yeah, you get this this Paul Dano dynamic because he's playing the two characters. Crazy. He's, he's playing. Oh yeah, Paul he's, Dano. He's playing. Um, he's playing two characters technically. You know, he's playing twin brothers. So he's playing he's playing Eli and he's playing Paul. Hell of a performance and, too. And yeah, he's great as both. And Eli's kind of the sniveling little coward and Paul's the smart that's one. That's the one right there. Yeah, and, and and Eli's the yeah, Eli's the one that's involved in the final scene of the movie. And yeah. And Eli is saying you abandoned the, your child. Oh, and Eli's the one that that fucks with him the whole time and just won't leave him alone. And he does not like that guy. And he fucking he, makes him pay. Yeah, and he oh he makes Spoiler. him pay, definitely. He makes him pay. But yeah, that whole that whole scene right there, you've abandoned just and and I love his his reaction. At first when he walks up there, he's he rolls his eyes and he stands up there and he looks at him and he goes, I've abandoned my child. Like he just yeah. says it so like But there's anything he'll do, like he'll yeah. swallow his pride just yeah. to get his just just to get it and by the end he's financial you know, game. Yeah, by the end he's selling it. He's selling it completely. But it's like and then, you know, by the end of the movie he's just an unhappy fucking but he won. He got yeah. what he wanted. Yeah, he got what he wanted. I love the I love the scene where he just tells the the grown up son of his, "You're just a bastard in a basket." Man, <laughs> it's just like so fucked up. But the way he just delivers the dialogue is it's just it's Daniel Day Lewis at, at his finest, man. He's he's fucking greatest actor, man. He really is. Like even I don't know if you've seen it his last movie. How much booze do you think he drank on set of <sighs> There Will Be Blood? I have no idea. I fuck. He went from method actor. He went from fucking. He went from Bill the Butcher to Daniel Plainview. That's like, a lot of fuck, drinking, man. Right there. That's that's two dark ass fucking characters. Like really, dark he really characters. rocked like the glass eye contact for. Uh, oh my god! Of course, he in New did. York. Of course, he did. Of course, same character the whole way through. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, he he's 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 great, and I mean that's like one of the the whole movie, the last movie he made, Phantom Thread. I believe it was a PTA PTA movie as yeah, well. Paul Thomas Anderson. I, I uh, love that one honestly. I I totally thought it was unexpected. I thought it was good, but but it wasn't my style. You know, like it was it was for me. You know, it's Paul Thomas Anderson. He's great. I just yeah. didn't I didn't like I didn't like that movie. It was it was not it was not made for me. Those types of movies. He are makes not made challenging for me. movies like The Master. Like I I really that's lo- one's tough to take. Oh, The Master's fucking great. The, like that well, yeah. that movie's fucking great. I love The Master because it's like I don't know. The Master has like a weird religious thing to it, the cult thing to it that really like, and it's kind of about Scientology in a way and all that because Scientology yeah. was on well, a boat. And all that. Yeah, so like that yeah. that kind of stuff. I I I was like, okay, I can get behind this. I don't. Phantom Thread to me was like I 
couldn't get behind the whole Victorian and like the dressmaking thing. And to me, it's just like it was really. I liked the way he. That's like, really all just dressing for the yeah, movie, though. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, it definitely is. It's, and it just couldn't he get just me. Makes all these character pieces, you know. Yeah, because he he that movie got me with like the way he interacted with the woman, his character. Right. He's such a fucking prick to her all the time. And then when she she wasn't like when they were around people, and then when she wasn't around people, he was like this fucking sweet. Like I was like, God, this guy's such a prick. Like he's such a prick. But yeah, it's, it's like. Funny. It, it's all about those relationships and those power yeah, dynamics. Yeah. And it's, it's speaking of Phantom Thread, it's funny because he retired because he wants to fucking make dresses and shit now. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, huh? Yeah, I read some shit about that like recently. Fucking who? Uh, fucking Daniel Day Lewis. Wow. He he retired from acting after this one because he actually wants to go. I knew that was going to be his last one. He he, he's never going to leave character. Like, he's just going to stay in character. He for the rest finally of his found life. a character that isn't like super dark and involves murdering. I don't and know. He's, like, he's that, like, I can be a dressmaker now. And that sh- movie goes to a pretty dark place, though. It does. It and the, does. the climax of the movie is like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, what the it's fuck pretty fucked up. am I watching? Yeah. It gets there. It's pretty fucked up. It's pretty wild. Yeah. So that would, be, a while, that would be my number six. It's pretty, though. Yeah. What would be your number six? There, there will be blood. Will my be number blood. six. Yeah. Number six. Um, number six. Uh, this might be a shocker right here, and uh, you know, this is a personal list. So uh, I was getting personal. It's a movie I, I don't know. I can watch on repeat for whatever reason. Twenty sixteen, La La Land, Damien Chazelle. Follow good, up to Whiplash. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good pick. For it's whatever reason, pick. I mean. Like I said, I'm a sucker for the for music. Yeah, it's a it's a solid pick. Not that I'm a musical guy, but uh, I don't I don't even think it of it as even, like a strong. It doesn't even matter, man. Like musical. that musical as a it's a musical, but it's not a musical. It's like kind of a hybrid. It just kind of establishes the world as being like yeah. fantastic, like yeah. that. And La La Land's fucking awesome. It's that's awesome. a good looking movie. Yeah, talk and, about and he he uh, use of color. Yeah, Damien Chazelle. He he. Him and his um, the guy who did the score, I I don't remember his name. Justin they, Hurwitz, I yeah, think Hurwitz, it is. yeah. They worked together on um, Whiplash. They're college friends, and yeah, they they definitely like this was a movie that they they wanted to make, and you know, oh, Whiplash yeah. got them there. Whiplash to me was one of those movies that was like it blew me away, it completely blew me away that year. Especially as a directorial debut, yeah, yeah, and directed, and and then La La Land as his follow up just blew me away said give me a budget yeah yeah yeah. and and then he followed it up with uh, with uh first man first man i went and saw it which didn't really blow me away but it was really good in theaters i thought i might have an anxiety attack in it a lot of so claustrophobic a lot of yeah a lot of the the shots and all that stuff was a lot of like weird practical stuff he was doing and i can get that everything they shoot is from like the inside of the cockpit yeah in that movie yeah so i i it was an interesting anyway, type of movie, but La La, 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 La Land, Land. La La Land is Ryan Gosling. Who doesn't love him? Am I yeah, wrong? Ryan Gosling. He's definitely he's become America's sweetheart the last oh, yeah. couple of years. He's great. And Emma Stone. I mean, she won her Oscar for that, right? Yes, yeah, she did. She did, and she was really good. Both of them. Yeah, and Emma Stone. Look, look what she. she I mean, fuck. Yeah, her Easy song a. though at the end. She yeah, she Zombieland, like super we were bad Zombieland. All saying. these became movies, star. And she, she became a huge star. So it's like she was kind of perfect for this because it's like about a struggling actress, you know. It's and like, I heard it was almost Emma Watson, but she did uh, the Beauty and the Beast live action. Uh, well, and you know, it's like they're looking for somebody that can. But sing. But it couldn't have and been more perfect. Yeah, it was. It was good. And then like. Um, 
the whole jazz aspect. Yeah. It's like it, you can see And that that's Damien Chazelle's love of it cuz he was a Yeah. he's a jazz drummer. Yeah. So it's like you can tell this is the Whiplash and La La Land. Whiplash and La La Land. They they have the jazz elements, and it's that's what I really loved about La La Land. It was like you know the music was just really good. It was a lot like a a reason why I loved um, from this last year, Stars Born. It's just great music, man. Like the music in the original music is really good, and it's just yeah, La La Land is really good. The opening crazy opening scene. um, Watch the the special features. Oh, like I've on seen. YouTube. Oh, yeah, how they got that done, man. Yeah. It's just they so just shut down the whole freeway. Yeah, and and they they only choreographed like for like twelve hours or something. I was like, fuck, man, they did all that in just a twelve hour choreography. Like, it, it's so impressive. That's a movie though. I feel it just flows. Like I could watch it straight yeah. through and then start it over. Bright colors. Great, yeah. Great camera shots. Great to look at. It's you know you don't have to worry about getting fatigued by yeah, too yeah. much uh, yeah. monologues yeah. and dialogue. It has, and... has a little bit of fantasy, but then yeah. it's really at the end of the day, it's, it's like a really grounded story. Yeah, it's a love story, and and it's a love story with a really like not the ending people want, but <laughs> it's a happy ending. Yeah, it is. It, at the end of the day, it is a happy ending, and it may not be the ending that everybody expects, but it is a happy ending. They both get what they want, and it's like that's. That's kind of, and they're both happy doing it. So that's the kind of thing that it's like, yeah. Fun guest appearance, uh, J.K. Simmons as the yeah. club owner. Yeah, as the club owner. Yeah, another uh, Damien Chazelle Oscar yep. darling. Yep, yep. And the, who else? Um, who was the musician that was in it? Um, oh, uh, John Legend, right? John Legend was it? Yeah, he yeah. was the guy that was his He's, band member. Yeah. So that was, I thought that was pretty cool too. So they got like a legit fucking musician that, that was pretty come cool. out there and do their stuff. Uh, yeah, that's a good pick. Right Ryan there. Gosling really learned how to play a piano for that. Yeah, too. yeah, he did. So yeah. that's really his hands. They, they yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, great good, lighting in that movie good, too. Good, yeah, yeah, really good lighting. Definitely. The, the, the whole part where they're in. Um, I just love the scene where um, Emma Stone, in the, near the beginning, after she leaves the party and comes in for the first time and hears him playing outside the bar. Yeah, it's like red lit neon lights. Yeah, comes in the door, and it's like all the lights fade. And you just like a spotlight almost yeah. on on her and then yeah. on him. Oh, that, yeah. That's there's there's a well, part where um, I love the the there's it's it's when they're in his house and it's like a teal green underlit. Like yeah, when he's dimmed, playing. Yeah, the lights at are the dimmed piano. down low and it's like a teal underlit and it looks all like it looks real like gritty and yeah, that's La La Land's a good pick. Uh, my number five. Uh, this is another obvious one. If it's not, if it wasn't on my list, I'd be kicking my ass. Uh, the Godfather, the the masterpiece by Francis Ford Coppola. Can't argue it. Um, Marlon Brando as Don Vito, the uh, the Godfather himself. Uh, Al, Pacin- Al Pacino. Al Pacino in in his greatest role ever, like Scarface fans fight me because <laughs> Scarface as much as you love it. And as much as I enjoy watching it's it, all it's, about a, Michael it's, Corleone. A, it's a piece of shit movie, and it's all about fucking <laughs> Michael. Michael's a badass. But yeah, this one, it, it, The Godfather's awesome. Um, it drags at points, but a lot of movies from the 70s are like that. And that's what, it, like, you have to watch a lot of those types of movies to understand that, like, you know, this is just, this is setting up, like, these... It couldn't be and, The Godfather without that pacing. Yeah, you know? and I mean, it's a lot of it is, like, you know, you get a lot in the beginning, and then when he has to go to to Italy, 
is when it just drags on and drags. But it's I like that whole bit though. Yeah, so do I. I love it. It's it's just a lot of character development, what understanding do, where he say? comes from, learning about the family because he had one. He wanted nothing to do with it, and then his dad got attacked and his mindset changed completely. It was just like he was in the military. It was like I'm a military man. Yeah, he was. The, he was the straight laced one. He was the straight laced one. That's and what then, Marlon Brando says. He's like Senator Corleone. Yeah, yeah. He wanted Michael. Oh, he wanted, yeah, he wanted Mike from him or yeah, whatever. He wanted Michael. They to, never wanted this from you. Basically. Yeah, yeah. He wanted Michael to to stay clean and all that shit. But then his dad got shot, and Michael fucking changed. And, and his dude, brother. Yeah, and his brother. Yeah. So that that fucking Sonny. That scene. Oh yeah, Sonny. Sonny's um fuck. Sonny's demise. Sonny. That's a that's a Sonny, fucked up. Sonny's scene, yeah. demise was bad. Uh, fucking Luca Rossi's demise was bad. Um, yeah. When I love the scene where where um, they're going to the hospital, or he goes to visit his dad at the hospital. Yeah, and and the dudes are coming for they're him. They're coming for him, and uh, the the nurse is like, "You can't be here right now. You can't be here." And he's like, "Listen, there's men coming men for my dad to kill my father. He, yeah, and you have to let me up here." And he moves him to a room, and then he goes downstairs. And the fucking butcher comes comes and he's like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm the butcher." And he's like, "Here, just stand here." That he did he's, the favor for. Yeah, 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 that he, yeah. And he goes, uh, "Just stand here, stand with me." And he goes, "Do you have a do you have cigarettes or anything?" And he goes, "I have a lighter or something like that. Some something he had in his pocket." And he goes, "Just put your hand in your pocket like you have something." And the car rolled by and they're both standing there like they got guns and they're you know all they had to do was stand there like they were security. That's all they had to do, and. That's so tense. The whole time he's shaking. He's fucking shaking. And I remember they light a cigarette up afterwards. He's mm-hmm. shaking while he's lighting the cigarette up. <laughs> and then they the, send the crooked cops after him to bust they, their ass. Yeah, they send the crooked cops. And he he fucking Michael freaks at the crooked cop. He tells him, What the hell? That you you know, you there's supposed to be armed security here twenty four seven, blah, blah, blah. Michael won't leave until there's cops there. But, yeah, th- that's that. That shit. in the um, the scene where Michael actually kills um, fuck who's that? Guy? He kills the rival boss who put the hit out on on his dad. He kills him and the crooked cop in the restaurant. Yeah, with the uh, you can hear like the sounds of the subway. Yeah, cranking outside he, while he's he, like thinking about it. He goes to the bathroom, and grabs the piece, grabs from the, the gun the from planted. behind the toilet that yep. was planted. And he takes a deep breath and he's sitting there, yeah. And he's thinking about it, like, do it, this is there's he's, no turning back. Well, he after comes this. back instead of doing it. Comes back, sits down at the table, yeah. still sitting there, close yeah. up on him yeah. for like extended time. And he's got that look it. on his face. That stands up, it, shoots the dude in the throat. Yeah, that's a gritty movie too. Yeah, and this nineteen, what is it? Nineteen seventy-two. Seventy-two. It was released March fifteenth, nineteen seventy-two. So and I mean really like it's the effects for 1972 are great and it's that that the, the movies a lot of my favorite movies are from the 70s because there was just a gritty style of filmmaking back then and it just felt real and like The Godfather like it's just tense and gritty and just yeah it's as an Italian you gotta love it. That's a movie you want to study, just cinematography. Oh, yeah. it's it, every, Look how they frame those characters. Oh, yeah. How they light them. Yeah. And Marlon Brando, man, he's just... Heart, like, all the horror stories about Marlon Brando, but he's <laughs> fucking... Read um, off cue cards the whole way through. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> fucking just doesn't doesn't give a shit, but he gives this fucking amazing performance. And, yeah, the whole... Um, yeah, the whole sequel was even fucking great. The third one, not so much, but still. That's a great... Al Pacino performance in the second one. Yeah, and De Niro. 
De Niro, De Niro too. Young, yeah. young Don Vito. Yeah. So yeah, the, the Godfather, it had to be on my list. So Can't you're number it. five. Number five, I would have felt bad if it didn't make it. That's another one. Pulp Fiction. I had to, I had to put my guy Tarantino somewhere, you know. That was one I was grappling with. Yeah. And, and you know, the real reason I I didn't put it on is because a couple of weeks ago I said, you know, I did a list on Tarantino and my favorite Tarantino movies, and my favorite Tarantino movie is Inglorious Bastards. So how can I put Pulp Fiction on my my top movies of all time without putting Inglorious Bastards on? So see, I, I think kind of had that conflict there. Inglorious Bastards is obviously like his. Bet, like greatest technical accomplishment, yeah. If you'll say that, you know, this, that's a great. And even way the story, of, that's itself, a great way of looking at it. Even the story itself is perfect, but Pulp yeah. Fiction too. Is Pulp just Fiction so, is one that I will watch every time it comes on TV, and it still finds a way to be shocking and like yeah. obscene. Yeah. If you and, yeah, you don't watch it for a while, and it still gets you. That's why it's my favorite. That's where I thought about a lot of movies that yeah. I've watched probably the most times, or I'll sit down still and watch it. And Pulp Fiction day was after day. Pulp Fiction was one of those movies that my dad showed me when I was really young. Yeah, like really young, probably like twelve. <laughs> and was like, "This movie's great. Watch it." And I was just like, re- probably way way too young to to understand what's going on. And yeah, that and like The Crow and Leon the Professional. He showed me all those movies when I was way too young to understand <laughs> what was going on. But yeah, Pulp Fiction's classic, man. It's it's like, great. I watched it just recently. With this guy Zed. <laughs> Zed. God, man. <laughs> Who's Zed? Zed's dead. Oh man, that's a quotable one right there. Yeah, and that is a career performance by Samuel, a dude that's done too much work. Yeah, he he continued working for years. What tops that? Yeah, Yeah. Jules, Jules, man, fucking who else? Uh, I love um, fucking I love Butch's girlfriend. The fucking she's so naggy yeah. and annoying, uh, but she's awesome. <laughs> fucking she doesn't understand what kind of shit they're in. Like the blueberry pancakes. Yeah, blueberry and... pancakes. She wants a pooch. She wants a belly, like a <laughs> little little pot belly. Like <laughs> mine's just in the wrong place. Yeah, it's completely just in the clouds. And he's like, I just fucking like. That's perfect though for Butch. Yeah, he's trying perfect. to get away from yeah, everything. Yeah, <laughs> he's got this fucking just Bruce random Willis. random foreign girl. Yeah, I fucking Pulp Fiction classic. That's, Star Study cast right there. Yep. Fucking. And I think just all-time achievement still from Tarantino. Yeah, definitely. Timeless. How that story plays out, how it's segmented and disjointed. The yeah, that movie That movie got him his his, uh, his screenplay Oscar. Yeah. yeah. And Well-deserved, too. Yeah. And, and his I mean, first, right? That was kind of the one that got him pretty much established as a big-time player. Like, Reservoir Dogs was the movie that, you know, was a like a darling at con and stuff Huge, like that. Yeah. But people were still kind of hesitant. And then he got a little Break bit more out. of a budget with this one. Got his name then, on the scene. Yeah. This one broke him out fiction. big time. Yeah. So, yeah. What can, it, he's got a big one coming out soon and I'm excited. Yeah. Another Always, July release, right? Yep. Summer release, man. It's a big summer release right there. Should be a fun one. Yep. All right. So my number four, and it's going to be quick with number four. I got, I got a clip for this one. Um, Another Scorsese film from uh, okay. 1992 or 1990, uh, The Goodfellas. Had uh, another had another mobster movie. I I kind of gravitate toward it. the mobster. You know, you've I got three of them on there so far. <laughs> you could kind of put Dark Knight in there. It's kind of like a mob. You know, it's got you, that feel to it's it. It's got points. that feel to it. So yeah, Goodfellas. 
um, De Niro. You got uh, Ray Liotta in this one. Uh, Joe Pesci. Joe There's Pesci. So many great moments in this movie. The fucking the whole scene with Ray Liotta and Pesci, where he's, you know, you, why are you calling me funny? Why am I funny? Oh uh, yeah. And he's just I was like, about to say, is that the one you got queued up? Or? Yeah, and that's no, no, that's not the that's the obvious one. Yeah, I know. The, the scene I got funny, queued, funny how? Yeah, funny how. And like that's a, like a, lot a clown. Of, do I, I amuse you? Do I amuse you? It's so good and and um. You know, there's rumor. Rumor has it that that was improvised. So yeah, the reactions. Or I heard, yeah, were all, were um, all legit. Pesci so. came to Scorsese and said, "This is based off like an experience, I guess, he had with some yeah. mobster type dudes yeah. that he heard an interaction like this." Yeah, funny, funny how what? And if you and, watch uh, it, the the guy's reaction. He said, "Do it without telling him." Yeah, yeah. They're all like, "You look at Ray's face." He's, he's like, "You fucking with me?" Yeah, they're all. That's like, how he says it too. Yeah, yeah. It's like so, what? No, I. I just mean, you know, like how you tell the story. It's yeah, yeah. It's it, there's so much good stuff. The whole dynamic between him and his wife, where she, you know, she yeah. falls for him real quickly, but then you learn she's kind of just as crazy as no, he. No, she is. loves the danger. She, she knew exactly yeah, she what was lo- going on. She from the loves beginning. the danger exactly, and then they have kids, and you just you get this complete volatile relationship that they have, and the kids are involved. throughout. That tracking shot uh, where they. The first date, pretty much, he takes her on, and they yeah. go through the whole back end of the restaurant yeah. in one sh- long yeah. take and set up the table and everything yep. in front of him. Set up right in front so you can watch it at the Copa. Some crazy choreography at right the there. Copa, and that's all you know. It's based on a true a story. Lot going on. Henry Hill. Yeah. There's a, uh, you know, they get into the Lufthansa heist, the um, the whole stuff with that. Uh, uh, De Niro plays Jimmy Conway. So yeah, it's it's a real life story and it's based on his book, I believe. Um, the uh, Henry Hill character. It's based on his book. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. I have it? Yeah, it's uh, no, it's based off the book by um, Nicholas Pileggi. His wise guy. Uh, biography, would you call it a memoir? Maybe. Um, I'm not. I I believe. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure, but the clip I got for this one's a good one. This is set it up a little bit. This is meeting the crew. This is in the beginning, and this is another tracking shot. Like you, you know, this is this is between the two clips I had were either this one or the one where uh, go get your fucking shine box. I fucking <laughs> love that scene. It's so funny, dude. You, what the fuck? Uh, I don't shine shoes anymore. And he's just like, yeah. I love how he's polite at first. He's like, oh man, you know, I don't shine any shoes anymore. And he's like, oh okay. And they have a comment, like a little bit of conversation. And he's like, how about you go get your fucking shine box? And he's like, you motherfucker. Like it's so good. It's so good. But this one, I I, I had to go with this one because it's. This one kind of has, a, like, if you watch the movie throughout, this one has some callbacks. And there's a part where one of the guys is saying something about, like, um, coats or something. Like, he, something about he's always dressing nice or something. Right. And they and he does something with making deals with some fur coats later on in the movie, getting fucked up, and then you find him hanging in the freezer mm-hmm. with the furs, some shit like that. So there's callbacks, you know, to this whole thing. But you're getting the lineup of all these guys that are his crew, pretty much. So I'll play this clip for you. Another movie right here with a killer soundtrack. Definitely. That was Anthony Stabile. Frankie Carbone. brother fat andy and his guys frankie the wop freddie no nose and then there was pete the killer who was sally balls's brother and you had nikki eyes 
and Mikey Franchese and Jimmy Two Times, who got that nickname because he said everything twice, like... something we just took it if anyone complained twice they got hit so bad believe me they never complained again it was just all routine and you didn't even think about it So yeah, that that was you know the lead up and everything. Pretty much open to get to meet the crew, and you're kind of getting the beginning of this movie, understanding who they are. And they're gangsters. They do what they want, and they got a big heist coming up. The Lufthansa heist. You know, nice guys. Yeah, good fellas. They're good fellas. Exactly. So good fellas. That's my number four, and uh, your number four, good sir. My number four. Another uh, kind of a an indie darling, Little Miss Sunshine, Whew. one of my favorite films right there. I didn't see that one coming either. That's what I'm saying, you know. Uh, heart and humor, heart and humor. It's uh, I love that movie. It's got range right there, and it's got a killer soundtrack. So I keep saying that, yeah. but uh, yeah, there's a common really there's I'm a about. common thread here. You know, there's something that makes it my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to identify that. Yep. But yeah, Little Miss Sunshine basically. The story of a highly dysfunctional family. Yeah. Steve Carell, the first scene, is coming out of a hospital having a failed suicide attempt, slit his wrist, and his uh, sister picks him up, has to stay with her family, her struggling marriage yeah. with her entrepreneur husband. and yeah. uh, who's, uh, God, who's the actor that plays him? He's such a piece of shit in that movie. And his dad, who is uh, Alan Arkin. Yeah, Al- Alan Arkin. Snorting heroin, mm-hmm. old fucking man. Uh, like borderline fucking pedophile. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, there's always this underlining. Is he a pedophile with his granddaughter? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's all love. I think that's just... Uh, it's just a weird... He's a sex craze. Yeah, there's a weird, bizarre thing that goes on there. And the whole... Ba- yeah. The climax of the film. But, you yes. know, it's all about... 
you know, family accepting yeah. each other yeah. and uh, yeah. coming together. But uh, I think Alan Arkin actually won uh, Best Supporting Actor. He did. For uh, that one. Paul Dano is great in this. Paul Dano, young Paul Dano as their son who's taken an oath of silence. Yeah. Uh, and because he uh, wants to fly. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to fly. He's big airplanes. into Nietzsche. <laughs> He's big into Nietzsche. There's so, so <laughs> much random Steve shit. Steve Carell's a philosopher, too. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, you took a vow of silence for Nietzsche? <laughs> and uh, the, basically, they're taking the youngest daughter. It's so awkward, dude, to be this Cross country so in their uh, VW bus that, to the Little Miss Sunshine pageant. <laughs> that they have to push to get going every time. Beat or barely make it there. And yeah, there's some uh, misadventures along the way, we'll say. Oh, yes. You could say that. But yeah, that one's just a blast. I've always loved it. I don't know why that's one I can always return to. Yeah. Still get something out of it. It's it yeah. hits you in the feels, you know. Little Miss Sunshine is really good, and it gets hate, but I like it. I, and, and fuck, I mean, it's like some people fucking hate on stuff because they don't fucking get it, or it's just not their their style. Hey, like I, it's not your you know, bag. Th- there are movies like that. I do it. I'm guilty of it all the time. There are movies that I watch and I'm like, fucking, I hated that piece of shit, <laughs> and it's like. But then it I shouldn't say that because it's not really a piece of shit. Like it's just my personal taste in this. I didn't enjoy it. Unless it really was a steaming big pile of it, shit. A steaming pile of shit. It, it, for example, it, I mean, it, it it won best picture not last year but the year before that. Uh the the shape of water. I hated that fucking movie. But visually and and everything else it, it was stunning. It's Guillermo del Toro. And I was hating on that one big time. I but like I Shape of Water. I shouldn't have hated on it because it, to me, it's just like like I was kind of saying with with um, with uh, fuck, with with Phantom Thread. I just it's not my type of movie, but it was it was good. It was a good movie. It was fucking well made. It was well shot. Everything made sense, and the characters were good. It just wasn't my style of movie. So, yeah, yeah, I tend to shit on things. Those are both kind of movies that, like, the environment are kind of strong characters in the movie. And yeah. I don't, if you don't buy into that, then and see, yeah, like, like I said, I, I kind of just, just shit on things when I shouldn't. And it's <laughs> like, I, I people shit on this movie a lot, Little Miss Sunshine, and they shouldn't because it's good. Love it. Check it out. Hey, I think that's another one you might be able to find on Stars. Shout out, Stars. stars. <laughs> Shout I know out you stars. all have Stars on your uh, Comcast subscriptions, and you just don't really check it out. I, I think, I don't know. We have HBO and, and uh, Skinamax. Oh, if you got Skinamax and HBO, you got Stars. Yeah, trust me. Probably. So my number three has already been discussed, so I can kind of just briefly go over it. Uh, no Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. That's my number three. Um, I watched that movie when it came out, I was a, I was a sophomore in high school or freshman in high school, and I watched that movie um, with my dad. Was like b- completely blown away, and then uh, yeah, I learned about it in high school in my in my film class. He he, my teacher talked about No Country for Old Men. And was like, here I'm going to show you like this shot of this, and he showed the the scene where where. Um, uh, Shigur and um, Carson Wells, Woody Harrelson's character, are sitting across from each other in the hotel. And he just showed He's us... holding the shotgun to him. Yeah, and he's showing us the camera angles and the over-the-shoulder shots and the lighting and how it's just 
and the way he picks his feet up and you know all this little little details mm-hmm. and such a and, and such a it's it's a scene that's kind of like it's an important scene but it's a scene that like involving the the everything that's going on it's kind of just that happened and then you kind of move along but there's so much going on in just that scene and how they tell it's all in the nuance of it yeah so that and that's just one scene that's not even the coin and then the phone thing. rings yeah and then the phone rings you know you got you got so much to love about this movie. The yeah, like I said, the coin flip, that's so uncomfortable to the very end where his interaction with with Carla Jean where he's just sitting there talking and she's like, "You don't have to do this." And he's like, "But I do. I made a promise." And it's like, "I got here to, the same way as the coin." Yeah, I got here the same way as the coin. It's like, "What the fuck, dude?" It's like fucked up psychology. This dude is yeah. such a fucking psychopath. Like he's just a cold-blooded motherfucker. I've heard there was a study of like all these psychologists that studied films and like the most accurate depictions of psychopaths, and that was like the consensus. Yeah. And dude, he just gets straight. Javier Bardem. He gets straight hit by a fucking car, arm breaks, puts it in and sling, and just walks off, just like like a fucking badass. That's the last you see of him is walking off from a car accident with a broken arm. You know, one of those kids was um, what's that dude's name? I, yeah, in he's hella stuff now. He's, he's in, in a Get bunch. Out. Yeah. And, uh, yep. He's I the do brother that. in Get Out and uh, Three he, Billboards. He's in Three Billboards. Yes, he uh, he he was just in something recently. But um, yeah, dude, No Country for Old Men. The, the ending's great. I love the whole cut to black at when he's just. Then I woke up talking about his dream. It's so. It's like you're like what, dude? The whole movie. It's like his character is kind of just out of place the whole time, and that's the point. It's like it's just the world around him has gotten too fast and too violent for an old man. This is no no place for him and it's showing that like he's out there riding horseback these guys are out there in fucking trucks shooting fucking shotguns at each you know he's out there on horseback you know it's it this ain't a place for him anymore and he's like most of his interactions with his co- his little deputy are like that you know he he says throughout the movie that he can't even understand what's going on anymore like he, he doesn't recognize this place anymore and everything's changing and it's just it's so good that, That's some of the most like graphic, realistic depictions of violence too I've seen. Oh yeah. Well, just like ridiculous. Some of it, like he busts into the uh, hotel room thinking it's Josh Brolin in there. Yeah. It's the Mexican gangster yeah. guys. Just boom, dude, and then it's blows like off his arm. Innovative fucking weapons. A silencer on a shotgun. Yeah. Name a movie where you've seen a silencer on a shotgun. Or the that, uh, that came before that the cattle gun, the, the cattle prod used as a weapon. He's like, stay still. Just puts it right on dude's forehead. Yeah, thunk. It's like from the Cohen brothers of all people. It's their masterpiece. It it's, always will be. It's heavy. It, it it always will be to me. And they they make great films for sure. No, this, for this sure. This is, is their masterpiece. It's a fucking great movie. It's fucking great. Your uh, your number three. We're getting up there at the top. The the nitty gritty. Number three. Has been covered. Number three, I, one of those, you know, I had to put The Departed. Uh, it's a Scorsese, it's the only Scorsese flick I put on here, which is probably a crime because I love all his work, really. Yep. But uh, The Departed was the first one I saw, I think, and it's just stuck with me since. I think it was one of the first movies I saw where I was just kind of blew the game open for me, really, where I was like, holy shit, like I didn't know yeah. you could come with this kind of energy and yeah. like. Just because I saw it, you know, whatever, my early yeah. teens or whatever. Definitely. this was, and I had the same feeling. And it really does just, like, the soundtrack of the movie blown through. Uh, like when he's doing the coke deals with his cousin in the beginning, trying to, like, get a rep. And they're just, like, 
banging hip hop, like yeah, or like a, later through doing montages, blowing up the car with the Molotov and yeah, shit. Like it's just fast paced, high action. There's a wide action. variety of music. There's like Stones and Dropkick Murphys and like yeah. hip hop in there. Like yeah, whoever did the sound design for this movie. Oh, I'll admit, really good. Uh, shipping up to Boston was definitely my ringtone and like. Eighth grade, or oh, dude, the Dropkick Murphys are the shit. <laughs> yeah, The Departed Man. It's it's like I said, it probably would like it, when I was like sixteen, it was my favorite movie. Oh yeah, it really was, and, and that's yeah. why it's in my top three. I, yeah. I haven't been able to get over it since. Yeah. Really, still one of my favorite Leo performances. You yeah. know, should have won the Oscar for that one. He'd been killing it, <laughs> been killing it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well rounded performance. I mean, I, what else is there to say? Yeah. Really? Uh, my number two, the, my number one and two are obvious. My number two is Taxi Driver. Um, I have three Scorsese movies on mine. Um, Taxi Driver is uh, Robert De Niro as Travis Bickle, and it's uh, you know it's gritty New York, and it's a character study, and it's a character study on a on a person who is just you know he's an outcast and he feels alone and he drives a cab and you get really gritty shots of new york and it's just when new york was a gritty place this was um 1976 and yeah uh young jody foster's in this she plays like a 12 year old prostitute so that you get an idea of how gritty this movie is you know that there's that i love so much about his character and the development of it, because at the beginning, he's just this docile, like, you know, loner. And over time, he he kind of gets into, he he likes this girl played by Sybil Shepard, who's, you know, she's a political, she works for the guy who's running for, like, mayor or governor or something. And he ends up going and trying to get a date with her. And he gets a date with her, and, and he takes her to a fucking porn theater just completely blows the date and it's like that that to me is hilarious but it's like oh he's so pitiful and then he he goes to apologize but then he makes it worse and then he fucking starts stalking her and then it's like oh well i can't stalk her anymore so i'm gonna go off to palatine the guy she fucking is campaigning for i was gonna assassinate him and i'm gonna assassinate that political dude because of this woman and it's like all because he's just a fucking loner and he wants to be with he has no somebody. Place in society. He has no place in society, and all his all his cabbie friends are just a bunch of fucking like goobers, and he doesn't fit in with them. And they don't. He he sees all this filth and sees how the city's just disgusting and turning into nothing, and all these guys don't give a shit, and he just feels alone. And yeah, it just turns into such a dark fucking. You know, he he tries to. Assass- plans an assassination and you know the the part where he goes to buy guns at the hotel it's such a great scene where the guy's like pulling out all this shit and he's like i got this gun i got this gun and he's just picks between all the ones and he's all quiet awkward and it's like this movie was hard to pick i wanted to pick a clip but it's hard because it's a lot of just him and not making a lot it's of visual noise. yeah and it's visual it's stuff visual it's, and you know there's there's the the part where he picks up scorsese who Scorsese's acting in it? He yeah. picks up Scorsese, and Scorsese takes him, and he's telling him, you know, you see who's terrible up, rant. Yeah, you see who's up there. Yeah, horribly racist rant. Yeah, you see who's up there. Oh yeah, I'm gonna, you know, that's my wife's up there cheating on me. I'm gonna go kill him. And it's like, you know, I'm not gonna say what he said, but he says some fucked up shit. Yeah. And it's like, this is just 
this is midway through the movie where he's Travis is kind of turned and you can see the smirk on Travis's face. Like he gets it. He gets it now. He gets why people are, that's what this world is. Yeah. So why not join them type of thing, you know? And that's where he went on this fucking, that's when the turn happened where he was like completely like after that, he sees Jodie Foster and he's, I got to save her. You know, and he talks with her at the diner all about, oh, you know, you should be at home. You're, you know, and that's fucking disgusting. 12 year old fucking prostitute. Harvey Keitel's the fucking pimp. Yeah. Like, it's just gritty, gritty fucking movie. And the he turns out, fucking movie. turns out being like the hero at the end. You know, he's the one that busts in and fucking kills the fucking pimp and all these people. And yeah, he, he it's a fucking bloodbath. Yeah. It's just, it's taxi driver, man. It's, it's not, it's not Scorsese's best movie. But it's Scorsese's like more most gritty, and I think it's his best character. Maybe study. rawest. Yeah, yeah, it's his rawest movie for sure. Definitely, it's it. It's my number two. Number two, you brought it up. You knew it was gonna be on my list. Big Lebowski, <sighs> Cohen's the dude abides. Yep, the Big Lebowski, the, the dude, dude abides. Yep. I mean, unforgettable characters in that movie. The dude, Walter, fucking Donnie. Uh, the Jesus, fucking my the, God. the Jesus man. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Uh, you Philip fu- Seymour Hoffman's character in that movie, fucking great. Such an understated role. Flea from the Chili Peppers is Flea, in there, playing one of the nihilists, right? Yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that movie. I don't know why. That's just one movie that has. It's just the stoner humor of it, I guess, has we, always killed me from the first time I saw it. We believe in nothing, Lebowski. We believe in nothing, Lebowski. This is so good. They're but so to come back and cut off your Johnson. <laughs> they throw the ferret in the fucking bathtub with him. like <laughs> Nice marmot. <laughs> Walter just like, and um, um, a marsupial uh, city grounds up. I don't think that's legal either, dude. <laughs> it's like, dude, fucking, you know they were fucking just sitting there baking, fucking writing that shit back and forth with each other. I heard the Coens wrote that movie about like a mutual friend, like a dude that they knew that literally called himself the dude. Oh my God. This like overweight dude that like never left the couch. That's funny. And they're like, what if this dude just got in and over his head and some hijinks, you know, he gets into a caper. Yeah. So and fucks it up like everything else. <laughs> yeah, fucking I, Walter. I, I love the big Lebowski. They man. throw the ringer. <laughs> throw the ringer, fucking the, the underwear ringer. Fucking whitey tidies, dude. <laughs> fucking Walter wasn't even supposed to go with him. Like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fucking his car throughout the movie, like his keeps car, more his, and more his car, his car keeps getting more and more fucked up, and all he cares about is that fucking rug. I think like, a bunch of vagrants uh, <laughs> slept in it or used it as a bathroom and moved on. I love at the end when he throws the Molotov at her or whatever. He goes, "My fucking car, man! They did it! They finally fucking <laughs> killed it!" <laughs> so fucking good dude fucking and i know i keep harping on the soundtracks but i mean come on man. yeah we already said it with the credence and uh the spanish rendition of uh hotel california yeah and that's e- too much even um fucking the which bob is, dylan which song is, which is great the spanish rendition because oh. it's it, it the eagles reference to it in the movie yeah. they couldn't have the they couldn't night. have the eagles so they can hate spanish the eagles for, man. <laughs> fucking uh what was the uh it's the song uh just dropped in that's yeah. a great fucking song. Yeah, and they uh or they fade out at the end with um Dead Flowers. Yeah. Is that what it is? That whole soundtrack goes yep. front to finish. 
Yep. Soundtrack right there. That's hey, another that's a big com- one for common me. thread right there. Number two, Big so, Lebowski. I feel bad putting it in number two. That's one of my favorite movies right there. Yep. But it's like, you know, it's 1A and 1B. Yeah. Really. My my number one is obvious. It's Clockwork Orange. It's yeah, Clockwork Orange. I knew that was going to be there. Yeah. Clockwork Orange is my number one. Hell, I have I have Alex tattooed on my leg. So. Down for life. Yeah. So on the skin. Clockwork Orange, Stanley Kubrick's masterpiece. It's... Uh, yeah, it's just it's great. It's so funny. It's so violent. It's so fucked up. It's like at one time this movie was banned, which is like <laughs> what? It didn't get a screening in like certain parts of Asia until like the 90s. It's like this movie came out in the 70s, like all because of one really violent scene, but you know, it's just this movie was branded as ultra violence, but it's really it's another one of those types of movies. It's a character study. And that's kind of like um that's my common thread kind of throughout like mobster movies and character studies on certain, you know, that my, my top four are kind of definite character studies on certain characters and how they they interact. But my top two are definitely mainly on the main character type of things. They're, you know, Taxi Driver being the main character, it's Travis Bickle and Clockwork Orange being the main character is, is Alex. Yeah. And that's who you're following throughout. And, Stick with one guy and, yeah, and you're, get you're, inside their head as yeah. much as possible. And Alex, the it, the dynamic is different between the two of these movies. You know, Alex, is he starts off as a total piece of shit. Tough to get in that character's head at points. Yeah. And, you know, they they send him off. And he's always just trying to one-up the system once he's in, in the system. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. So he agrees to this special treatment. And the special treatment ends up, you know, it's it, it's not what he's thinking. And it ends up brainwashing him into, you know, to where all the things he loves ends up causing him pain. So he can't listen to Beethoven. And he can't violently rape people. Which he loves. Yeah, which he loves. And he can't go beat up homeless people. He can't have people. any sex after he that, He can't have right? any sex. It's all removed sex it's, and yeah, violence from they him. They removed sex and violence from him. He, he wasn't all about raping you know it, it was just all about sex and violence just, and ultra violence that was part it was, it was part, part of, it. of it you know and the, like this movie gets me because there is that violent rape scene but then there's the scene where he kills the woman with the giant penis which gets hit the giant penis sculpture giant fucking cock in the room which is just like and he walks in man and he sees the dick and he goes naughty 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 and he fucking he calls her something like one of their you know weird slang words yeah. fucking he calls her uh god what was it it's, it's something super fucking funny but then he hits her over the head with a fucking dick and kills her like it's like it's comical but it's violent it's like it's vicious, raw, just like yeah, and, guttural, barbarian, and almost like barbaric. That, that was kind of like you know, from from reading a lot about this, and there's not much out there. But but see, the thing about Kubrick that's so fascinating is he kept a lot of shit under wraps, and a lot of his his edits and a lot of his, like anything special features wise, he doesn't release anything like that. And a lot of his movies came out different. Yeah, really late in the editing. Yeah, like he, he would change a lot of change, based off screenings. He would change stuff. So yeah, this movie, you know it. It's hard to understand really what he was trying to go for, but with the humor, because I think the humor was there to make you understand, like, this is how he views it. This is how he views all this violent shit that he's doing as like, it's nothing to him. It's kind right. of a comical, you know, and you get the classical singing in the rain scene. That was all improvised. You know, that's that's like he Malcolm McDowell had told Kubrick, you know, he, Kubrick had wanted him to sing a song. 
and he was singing all these different songs that didn't flow well, and, and singing in the rain was in his head from watching the fucking sound of music or whatever, or whatever the fuck that shit came from. Singing in the rain, singing in the rain, fucking whatever. He fucking yeah. So he that's the all. humor makes it almost just like and that like playfulness of it makes yeah. it that much more horrific. Yeah, really. Yeah, like. it's it's fucking it's brutal. And by the end of the movie, I love how all the people he violates in the beginning, it all comes back to bite him. Like he's you know. He's cured, and he's walking around, and he's just like he's seeing all these people that he's wrong. Now he's unable to defend himself he's too. Unable to defend himself completely, and then by the fucking end of this movie, he ends up getting everything back. He knows he's got everything back, and the dude that like uh, was like the government dude that took it all away, pretty much, pretty much has to come in and like kiss Pay, his ass. Kiss comes in, kisses his ass, <laughs> pays him. Like, gives him money from the government to make this whole thing disappear. And it ends with him sitting there envisioning himself having a three-way. And just fucking him sitting there, like, with Beethoven playing. Like, it's just fucking great. It's so... I I can't say enough about this fucking... I love Clockwork Orange, man. It's hilarious. Like, I got my last clip for this one. It's the fucking... It's the the opening of this, this movie. I'll... Uh, Set it up for you. Pretty much the open, you know, like after the milk bar. Stuff. That's getting acquainted with the characters right there. Yeah, that's just the to begin their night. They follow that up with, you know, saving. Uh, they, they, this is the thing that I find entertaining. They save a woman from being raped because 
a rival gang is going to, but then they end up making their way to a house later and, and raping. So it's just being territorial. Just, just being territorial. It's it's you know, it's one of those movies. It's it's that I see why it was banned for the time and everything, but I think Kubrick was going for something specific there, and he was a very visceral director. A lot of his movies have that type of element to them. I mean, fuck, like Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket, Eyes Wide Shut. They have a lot there. The Eyes Wide Shut movie is a lot of shit like to unpack. It's fucking, this movie has a lot to unpack. It's just, and some people can't get past, you know, the first act of this movie, and I can understand that. And it's brutal. It's hard to watch. Yeah, yeah it is. It's just to me, it's the way that they talk, the way that they like, the way that they're the happiness involved in like in such violent acts. It's like, it's like it puts a little bit of like joy when in joyless situations. Like, you see how these guys are having way too much fucking fun. And the way that they're talking is, like, so entertaining. This, this weird cockney slang mixed with some type of futuristic, I don't know. They call people fucking weird names, Malchicks and shit. And, you know, they're his droogs and all droogs. these different words he uses. Yeah, Clockwork Orange. That's my, my number one. What's your number one, Trout? My number one... Another bit of a shocker, maybe uh, some of the folks at home, uh, a lot of people have seen it, but Truman Show. I did not see that coming. 1998. I did not see that one coming. Jim Carrey starring as Truman. That's just one of those that, yeah, I've I've seen from whenever my youth, and I've always like come back to it, and every time I see it, I feel like I get more out of it. Yeah. And just feels like truer and truer. And I feel like everyone, for people who don't know, the plot, Truman, Jim Carrey, yeah. lives in a completely artificial world that's been developed. He lives inside of a TV set, unbeknownst yeah. to him. He's yeah. grown up from his birth on camera his entire life, 24-7, broadcast to people. So he's never left this city that's full of hundreds of TV cameras everywhere he could possibly think to go. Yeah. And they've basically scripted his life gotten them married and had his best friend and they're all paid actors so but everyone's kind of had that thought i feel like where it's just about being like egocentric to a degree where like everything's about you you know you feel like there's like all these conspiracies against you and yeah that dude it's like real black mirror before black mirror existed really and it's trippy and i don't know i feel like there's just so many themes to get out of it. And if you want to talk about like a perfect screenplay, I feel like that's my example of one. Yeah. Like the the archetypes of the character, like uh, Ed Harris's character, Kristoff, is this yeah. this Christ figure, literally, that yeah. he is the show's director and he is guiding Truman's life and, yeah. you know, he's keeping him safe. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just, it, so it, and that's another movie that's pretty dark at the end of the day. Yeah, it's, I mean... It's like they're keeping this guy in a giant fucking bubble. Yeah. And all these people around him are all actors. And the action is basically Truman thinking he's losing his mind and then coming to the realization that all these people have been tricking him and that his entire life has been a lie. Yeah. And trying to trying to make his escape, basically, yeah. and discover the truth. Yeah. That's what it's really about, discovering the truth. And yeah. That final scene is just iconic yeah, on the boat. On the where boat. He reaches the wall and yeah. rises up the stairs. They're filming him leave, yeah. And in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Yep.
That's that's one I didn't. I, know, ex- I love that one. I didn't expect that at all. That's a, that one. Yeah, didn't expect it. It's great. I haven't seen it in quite some time, but yeah, that was one of the first movies I've I, like I ever saw that did stick with me. It was like that. This that's one will where stick I'm with coming me. from. Really, I, yeah, it's really interesting how it's shot too. All these um, POV shots, you get this feeling of almost like this uh, reality setup yeah. where yeah. the the cameras are like fly on the wall setup. Yeah, yeah, and. It, like just that's a that's a good example too of um every shot being about the story you know like yeah. everything is furthering the story you're seeing it through the eyes of the audience in yeah. certain places and seeing people react to Truman's story on the outside world yeah you're definitely getting yeah as an audience member you're, you're basically getting like that feel and it's like yeah you get to audi- experience the adventure or whatever yeah. the journey with yeah. Truman, but at the same time, you're seeing every facet. Yeah. And they show like the behind the scenes yeah, of the show. See, you're and s- You're seeing it from they're the They're doing all the advertising on the show. That yeah. Everything on everything you see on the Truman show is for sale, from yeah. the wardrobes to the houses they live in. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a really just like sophisticated. Yeah. It, it's a smart movie. I remember the first time I saw it, my English teacher actually showed it to me in high school. So, Christoph, what does he yeah. say? He's like, they're asking him about Truman and how he's gone this long and stuff. And he's like, we accept the reality with which we're presented. Simple as that. Yeah. That's Truman living on an island yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yep. Well, man, that yeah, I didn't see that one coming, <laughs> but that's a good that's a good pick. That's a solid pick. And I mean, hey, we 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 powered through the top ten of our all, of our all time films. So I mean, you know, it's been good. Uh, it's been fun. Got to get you back on. We'll talk, uh, like, you know, we'll come back on and do another movie topic. For sure. It's a blast. Yeah, we'll do something movie-related again, and we'll we'll get back into it, you know? Hell yeah. Thanks for having me, huh? Hey, always. It, it was fun. But, hey, until next time, everybody, you know, go subscribe to the, the Facebook, Twitter, the Spotify, the Stitcher, the SoundCloud, wherever you can get your podcasts. Anywhere and everywhere. Anywhere and everywhere. But, yep, until next week. <laughs>